Friday at 5 on a holiday weekend. Ugh. It doesn't get much better than this during the summer. 5 o'clock on Friday of July 4th weekend. The holiday falls on a Monday, so I'm guessing and I'm also hoping that most of you out there get a three-day weekend, and maybe you're like us at the ref, and your bosses are so kind, they're saying, all right, you guys work hard all year long. You've been bashing Lincoln Riley since December. We love that. So we're going to give you an extra day off as well. We're going to give you July 5th off as well. Hopefully you're like us and have a four-day weekend. But, yeah, uh, we'll wrap things up at 6 p.m. tonight. We got the uh, golf show, Gimme Zone, coming up tomorrow on Saturday. But in terms of our weekday programming, we won't be back on the air until Wednesday. So stay safe. Enjoy the holiday weekend because, Travis, to me, this has got to be the best weekend of the entire summer. Memorial Day is great. Labor Day is great. But July, I mean, this, 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 this weekend is the epitome of summer. Yeah, especially as we get further and further removed from the Kevin Durant decision that uh, marred the Fourth uh, of July for some Thunder fans. Um, now he's a man with no no flag uh, as he requests another trade, and who knows where he ends up. And he doesn't have a no trade clause, so the Nets can pretty much say, you know what, we're not going to let you pick where you want to go. Um, and you and really, he hasn't done anything for the franchise to to earn that, uh, you know, benefit of the doubt to say, you know what, we're here to help you out, a la Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook. As I said, you know what, we're going to send you to a contender. We're going to send you where you want to be. You said you want to go to Houston, fine, we'll send you to Houston. You know, with with, with things like that, he, he may end up, who knows, they're going to send him to Sacramento or somewhere. Yeah, God, I would love Kevin Durant to end up in Sacramento, California. <laughs> Got to pay those ridiculous California taxes. But you have to pay. You have to live in Sacramento along with it. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, that'd be awesome. All right, uh, final hour. Let's uh, send it into the weekend the right way. That is you getting all your opinions and thoughts in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. The big story continues to be college football, what it's going to look like in the future. And just like the NFL draft, where you always have the best available category on the screen let's do best available as it goes for teams that are out there remaining not in the big 10 or the sec number one on our best available travis it has to be notre dame has to be right yeah it has to be and i want i want to look at this without thinking about regions without thinking about cultural fit necessarily because in, in the draft that's they're not saying hey best available because of positional needs or because of you know whatever it is simply this is the best player that is available no matter what so we're going to do the same thing here so it's got to start with notre dame regardless of of where you're going um and i honestly would put oregon next but then it starts to get a little murky Uh, i've heard great arguments for miami and for uh, Florida State, and uh, just, I don't know, a, a lot of different schools you've heard. I mean, North Carolina's got good arguments for it. Clemson's got good arguments for it. So that's what I want to know as far as best available. I'm not looking for regions. I'm not looking for anything like that. Not culture fit. I'm looking when it comes to brand and TV market. That's what that's what it's going to come down to is what kind of TV contract yeah. can you get because they're not just going to add teams to add teams to split the pie more. 
you, you, they're going to want teams to bring in more money to the TV deals. They just don't want teams just to have teams and, and share more money. So that's what I want to know yeah, is best totally available. Agree. I agree with that. But you, you said Oregon's number two, so you think Oregon's two, correct? Yes. Okay, I'm cool with that. Um, and really, you know, we want to find out the best available, but we also kind of want to find out where Oklahoma State falls in this mix. So let, let's do this, right? You got Notre Dame one. I got Notre Dame one. You got Oregon two. I'm, I think I'm cool with that. Uh, Clemson is a better addition right now than Oklahoma State is. You're good with that, right, as we go down the list here? Yes. Okay. Um, Florida State is a better addition. Good yes. with that. Miami, a better addition. Yes. North Carolina. Yes. Then this is kind of where they enter into the conversation. You throw out Kansas. You'll throw out a Virginia Tech. Um, is Does Oklahoma State fall next, seventh, after Notre Dame, Oregon, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina? Or am I forgetting someone else, like a Washington? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to think of, you know, teams that are teams that kind of make up the larger footprint or larger TV footprint or brand footprint of their state. Oklahoma dominates so much of the state's eyeballs as far as market and brand goes that I think it really, really kind of hamstrings Oklahoma State. And I think that's why uh, their president came out and was so offended uh, that they weren't brought along because I think they saw that and said, look, you know, we don't really have, you know, we'd rather you bring us along. Um, and as our, our loyal Coos Bay, uh, Oregon uh, Sooner, uh, Doc points out, California schools are typically tied together uh, either by legislation or academic requirements, things like that on the text line. Um, Oklahoma State was really open for that. So I don't know, because then you look at, is Virginia Tech above is virginia or virginia tech above you start to get up closer to the dc market dc market's like a top three or four top, or yeah, top four or five tv market so do you i mean it's still water ain't, ain't really touching that so you know you would really have to take it on a on a team by team basis i want i would like a number beside them i think they're probably right around 11 or 12 probably yeah yeah, it's just no, hard to I, say. And as I think out loud, like here's the thing is overall as a sports program. Now now listen to what Travis and I are saying. Like we're not saying that Virginia Tech is overall a better sports program than Oklahoma State. That's not true. No. Oklahoma State no. is a better sports program all around than Virginia Tech. But yeah, Blacksburg is not that far away from DC. How many Vautech fans are in DC? I don't know, but this is what it's all about. And now that you already have Oklahoma, what does Oklahoma State really command in terms of eyeballs and presence and brand and all that? That's why it's easy for us that Notre Dame, Oregon, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, and North Carolina are much more valuable commodities. I would argue that Kansas is a more valuable commodity. Washington, with the Seattle market, is a more valuable commodity. I think you're right. I think that they're somewhere just outside the top ten, and they're kind of in that danger zone. You know, they're going to have a chance to sneak into the Big Ten or the ACC if they expand to 20 teams, but they're right there on that cut line, man, and they've really got to pay attention to what happens in the future because one way or the other, Oklahoma State will be significantly impacted by how many teams both of those leagues really 
really want to add. And my overall question is kind of what you said, man, is you can add Oklahoma State. That's fine. They are a good all-around athletic program. But what are you really getting out of the, you know, what, what's their real value when it comes to really matters w- w- with all this stuff? I don't know what their real value is, man. Yeah, again, because these conferences, as we've seen so far, if you look at who's been added, they've added OU and Texas, which, according to Bowlesby, made up 50% of the Big 12's brand power. That's what that's what he said when he was negotiating TV contracts. He said that OU and Texas make up 50% of the Big 12's um, uh, marketing or brand. So you look at the L.A. market. That is obvious. They didn't go for the best teams in the Pac-12. They went for the biggest TV market, which is L.A. Uh, another 918 on the text line brings up, what about Arizona State and the Phoenix market? Um, yeah. That's another one that you have to consider. Uh, so I think when you start looking at it in that perspective, because, again, they're not going to add a team based on what you're doing on the field. Otherwise, UCLA, USC, and Texas would not have gotten phone calls. So that's that's they've already shown their hand of what they're after. So if they just add another school based on what they've done on the field, well, they're not bringing any extra money in. ESPN's not handing out contracts because of better competition. They're handing out contracts because they're going to get more viewers. And some might say, hey, competition leads to more viewers. Well, I don't think anybody down the road is going to say, oh, man, I know we've got OU, Texas, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, all these Florida, all these schools. But, you know, what we're really missing to make this a competitive conference is Oklahoma State. Yeah. Uh, text line. And with Georgia the Big Tech Ten. in Atlanta. Yeah, with, with a big take, go get Georgia Tech in Atlanta. From, yeah. I don't, I don't think that they would, just because when Georgia and Georgia Tech play in Atlanta at Bobby Dodd Stadium, it's like 65% red, <laughs> red and black in that place. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, you know what Georgia Tech is, Travis? Georgia Tech is the guy at the end of the bench in basketball that's never going to play, but he ups the team's GPA. You just add oh, Georgia yeah. Tech so he can up everyone else's GPA in the conference. Yeah, and it's and, and, and in Atlanta, you know, you might be seeing black and red, but some people just might be, you know, wearing their Falcons gear in there. Could be a possibility. It might be more of a split than you think. Yeah. Peyton says, I don't think they're as hung up on TV markets anymore as they used to be. Maybe, but that, that's still it's, it's still going to be critical. And, and, and we're, you know the schools that I think are in the most trouble? And I think that this goes for Oklahoma State as well. I think that there's a real potential that you look at the other school in the state that's left out right now, and the thought with them is, well, why do I need them? Like, if, if OU was still out there – then maybe that thought's not out there about Oklahoma State. But do you kind of get my point right now? Like, why yeah, would the SEC look at Oklahoma State when they say, well, that we already got OU, who cares? Exactly. And, again, I think it's just adding another team to take some from the pie without necessarily adding anything as far as revenue goes. Um, with with all due respect to Peyton, obviously, um, I, I think that I think they are hung up because, because of just what we've seen so far, right? The four teams are L.A., L.A., uh, a team that, you know, is a blue blood that's the winningest program since World War II, and then another one that's the arguably the biggest brand in the sport in Texas. So, I mean, those are absolutely TV moves, TV market moves. Yeah. Are TV markets as big a deal as actual viewership? Seattle is a big market, but if they're not 
watching football, it doesn't matter, does it? Games that draw three to four million plus viewership is where the money is at, I believe. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Is Seattle a college football market? I mean, it's a, it's definitely an NFL market. It's a Seahawks market. And I think that that's the hope, right? Like, like L.A. isn't a great college football market right now. I think the addition of UCLA and USC is the value of what the West Coast market could be. And the Big Ten is really banking on USC coming back into power and that West Coast kind of re-engaging and getting back in the sport because, you know, the high, I, I believe that this is right. Someone can look at this up. But I believe the highest-rated college football game ever actually involves a West Coast team. It was USC versus Texas in the 2005 yep. National Championship game. So there is proof that if the West Coast is engaged, a lot of people watch the sports, um, not just on the West Coast but nationally. So, yeah, I think that's got to be I what think, they're hoping uh, for. And I think, yeah, you're right. I think it's the potential of viewership because keep in mind, we've seen this with the Big 12, right? I mean, how how many people are turning on, um, you know, West Virginia versus Iowa State? You know, may, maybe not a ton, but West Virginia versus Alabama or Georgia or Notre Dame or anything like that. It, it's not just that maybe Seattle is a, is a Seattle Seahawks town and they're not much of a college town, but I promise you, if you send Michigan out to Washington, people are watching that game. You know, if you if you send some of those out, the schedule just gets better. And if and if a team and if a team from one of those large TV markets gets added to one of the big two conferences, then then it will automatically be brought more value by those other power teams going out there. I think part of the reason Washington may not be much of a college town is because they don't really care to see Washington play Oregon State. Yeah. By the way, you know, th- this whole change in college football, I'm I'm very much a purist when it comes to the sport. So all this change to me, I'm like, oh, am I going to like the way that the sport looks? There is one thing that I love, Travis, and it's better games for the consumer. You know, I- I'm, a, I'm a season ticket holder, man. We pay for them every single year. And I, I think without a doubt, your home schedule is going to be a lot sexier moving forward now that we move into two power conferences. Will the sport look dramatically different in five years? Yes. Will I love it? I don't know. But at least the ones out here actually going to games and watching it, the positive side of it is I think there's going to be more better games. It's going to look like NFL light, yes, but I think you're going to have more marquee games on a week-to-week basis because as much as I love the sport, and it's my favorite sport out there, you know how it is. It can be week seven or week eight, and you can look at the lineup of games and say, ugh, there's like one good game, but that's really about it. Not the case in the future. Yeah, and I think that's why we we kind of uh, cherish those kind of pre, those out big-time marquee out-of-conference matchups that we get, you know. When, when OU schedules Georgia, we get all excited. When they schedule Michigan, we get excited. When we see Texas and Alabama, you know, get ready to play, we get excited. We see Ohio State, you know, and Oregon line them up, we get excited. Well, well, the, we want those big-time programs taking chances and, and going out and playing big games against each other. So that's going to be a, a ton of fun, but I tell you what, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you are as far as, you know, season ticket holder. You know, I want to I want to see the big-time programs come to town. And it's funny is when the SEC move got announced, I legitimately – told a friend of mine immediately i said 
I have to do everything I can to make sure I have weekends off by the time we're in the SEC. And now <laughs> I've I've pivoted to where uh, I'm in. You know, got my tech stuff going on now, and I've I've still got trays, obviously. Um, but now I've got more weekend flexibility, and that was an actual move that was premeditated so I could have weekends off, so I could go to all these incredible SEC environments and see all these awesome SEC um, fan bases come to Norman. Well, you got weekend and weekday flexibility, judging by the past two weeks. In Vegas two weeks ago and in Omaha <laughs> for like ten consecutive days. Congratulations, dude. Yeah, it was it was a long trip in Omaha, I'll say. I mean, obviously I had a great time and um, it was I mean, I, I wouldn't have rather been anywhere else, but same time I get back home and I'm like, My goodness, I was I've, I've been gone a long time. That's the longest I, that's the <laughs> longest I have been out of town in I mean, I, I have to think back to, like, scout camps when I was really young or something like that, or maybe a mission trip, you know, through Asbury United Methodist or something like that, because I don't. Th- I think that's the longest I've been out of town in over a decade for sure. Yeah, and that's, and that's why that event is so unique, man, because this is a big football fan base, and you're used to, you know, flying out the day before or driving the day of to a football game, and then you come back on Sunday. That's just what you do. It's a two to three, sometimes a one-day trip there and back for a football game. Basketball game, it's kind of the same way. Even in the NCAA tournament, if you drive to Houston for the Final Four, you're going to be there three or four days probably at the most. Softball is right here in Oklahoma City, so you drive back and forth. There's no other event for OU fans like the one that you just came back from where you really don't know if it's going to be a three-day trip or an 11-day trip. It's that was that was that was interesting. But glad you got to stay there for all of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a place I hope to find myself next year as well. Um, keep in mind uh, for those of you that uh, you know kind of caught the magic of the uh, baseball program this year. Um, season tickets to to reserve a seat, it's only twenty five dollars. Uh, we've obviously seen a big influx in, in season ticket uh, reservations, at least so far. But it's only $25 per seat to reserve a seat. And I think they're only making them about $150 to $200 for the whole season. You know, you can pay you can pay that in one football ticket sometimes. You'll get a whole season for that. And uh, I'm really excited about this upcoming season. Obviously, we'll see if Kate Horton comes back. He's going to see kind of where he falls in the draft. Uh, but if we get him back and he's, you know, leading that with Sandlin and we've got, I mean, it's going to be a special year. If you keep in mind with that with that uh, roster, I mean, we were basically the youngest roster in Omaha. We had four freshmen and four sophomores in the starting lineup. I mean, Tanner Treadaway was the only senior, was the only upperclassman. We didn't have any, any juniors in the starting lineup. So, I mean, this team has a chance to be special, uh, and if especially if Kate Horton comes back to anchor that anchor that rotation and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of people out at Eldell Mitchell uh, next season. I'm at the Westwood Golf Course Lunch and Launch Special. For $14, you can get a bucket of balls in a lunch basket inside the grill. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar. What's going on at, uh, over there at Ash? Oh, a couple people probably uh, got off a little early, given the holiday. I got my man Rusty behind the bar. Uh, he's pouring them up. Uh, we've got $3 domestic drafts. We've got <laughs> we those get some hands in the air. As you say $3 domestic drafts, everybody's hands are in the air. Uh, yes, sir. So we've got that. We've got great cigars. They, they've got a great, um, great uh, 
smoke eater system here. I mean, you sit here and you go to a lot of places that allow smoking, and you just you walk in and you're just trying to wave through clouds, you know. But not in this place. It is it is clear air, which is so important. Yeah, no doubt. All right, we'll uh, roll on final hour of the Friday Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Keep it locked on the ref and send us those texts, 405-651-3439. We'll get to them next. Friday Rush, taking you into the holiday weekend. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, Connor Pasby back in studio. If you're trying to get caught up on the news of the day, well, here's, here's really the short of it. Uh, Oregon and Washington apparently reached out to the Big Ten, and the Big Ten was like, "Eh, I mean, you guys are great, but we're going to wait to see what Notre Dame says first. We'll keep your number handy. Don't don't reach out to us. We'll reach out back to you. We appreciate your interest, but right now we're we're good. We're good until we see what Notre Dame does. Then there's another report out there that the Big 12 is basically saying the same thing to Utah, Colorado, and the two Arizona schools, saying, yeah, we don't really know how much value it would actually bring to the conference, but we'll stay in touch in case anything happens. Now, Travis, we're just waiting until the next domino in all of this falls. Give me your best guess as to when the next move is made. Is it going to be made by the time that you and I do another show together on Friday? Are we going to go through the entire offseason without another domino falling? What do you think the timeline looks like so now? Looks like now because I don't think there's ever been as much urgency for some of these other programs out there to find their new home. Yeah, I think I think as more moves take place, the quicker uh, that they're going to be taking place. I, I, I liken it to right that this the uh, sinking ship. I think OU in Texas saw the hole in the ship and saw it started to take on water and thought, well, it's time to, it's time to get in this lifeboat called the SEC. Um, and then now as the ship is taking more and more water, you see UCLA and USC get in their lifeboat that's called the Big Ten. Now, it's incredible to me that, you know, the, the Big 12 doesn't want to add teams. It feels like the name of the game is being aggressive, uh, you know, and you I don't think anybody outside of the SEC and the Big Ten, and really really not even them, can afford to stand pat, if you will. I understand why the Big Ten's doing it, because they have a lot of leverage, um, adding, obviously, USC and UCLA. They obviously seem like they'd be first in line, at least, to get Notre Dame with those discussions ongoing, and then with Washington and Oregon. So you expect those moves. Once Notre Dame makes their decision, I think Washington and Oregon quickly make a decision thereafter. I think the most the thing that I'm most intrigued by is who leaves the new Big 12 first. It feels like it's going to be Kansas. Yeah, going to the Big 10, but 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 that's the thing. It's if if the Big 10 doesn't want Washington or Oregon, you know, are they going to just get out there and say but Kansas is who we really wanted the whole time? I don't I really don't think that's the case. It doesn't really gain you any any market value, regional value, anything like that. So that's what I'm looking for. But I do think the ship is sinking quickly, and you're going to load up those lifeboats to the Big Ten um, and to the SEC and then maybe on a smaller scale to the Big 12 rather quickly. Air Coverage Solutions text line, again, that's 405-651-3439. The next step may be not having conferences at all. 
instead of being a Nike school or an Adidas school, they would be ESPN schools and Fox schools. Each team cuts their own deal individually. What do you think about that? I, you know what? I, I applaud them for creativity um, because <laughs> that, is, that is fun. Like, it's fun to think about. I obviously think you've got to collectively negotiate the TV deals and actually have conferences just for scheduling purposes and whatnot because at the end of the day, the, the, you know, the, you'll have your schools that want to schedule you know, some poor teams to make sure that they have a lot of wins racked up. Um, and then there's going to be some that, you know, schedule the, the tough teams. There's just it, you have to have some type of semblance of of conferences to just work out the scheduling side. But I do I do commend the uh, the creativity because that would be fun to see because that's who's pulling the strings anyways. Yeah. Yeah. In that, I, I don't know how you would set kickoff times with that. Like the, the conference and the TV networks, I mean, kind of control that. I mean, maybe there'd be a way around that. But yeah, I, I think conferences, there may be only two major conferences. We are definitely heading in that direction. Um, but I think that there's always going to be conferences. Yeah. Oh, I'm you sure would certainly be at 11 a.m. though, right? No matter oh, what. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> We're 11 a.m. You. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm sure it's been discussed already, but their respective fan bases are going to have to travel a minimum of 1,500 miles for all conference road games. Wow. Well, that's the thing is USC can't get their fans to travel five miles to go to home games. You know, Iowa's Kinnick Stadium can get pretty loud and rowdy, and I can imagine a scenario, Travis, where Iowa's like, oh, my God, USC's coming to play us. Let's go. It's going to be an awesome weekend. Oh, yeah, USC, Blue Blood coming to town. And, like, 500 USC fans show up. I mean, that would be a rude awakening for uh, some fans out there. Yeah, and I know our our, uh, our fan base has been taking it on the chin uh, since the College World Series. We were uh, out outmanned and outgunned uh, by the Ole Miss fan base. But if there was a fan base we had more fans than, it was Stanford um, who brought a contingent of what felt like 30 or 40 people. Um, and, and I think that's what it's going to feel like with USC traveling to other schools in the Big Ten. I think what's going to be more interesting to see is does this turn into kind of, I don't know if you remember the, the San Diego Charger uh, uh, days when Basically, a lot of Northeast teams, a lot of Northern teams would take that as an opportunity oh, to yeah. take a little vacation to sunny California. And all of a sudden, you'd go to Charger games, and it just turned into a home game for whoever they were playing. I remember one game specifically. There was a Pittsburgh Steelers game in San Diego. And, I mean, the terrible towels were a waving, And it was wild. I mean, it, it they completely took it over. So I'm thinking that that might be something where, you know, somebody goes, man, we get we get USC in late November, and I live in Wisconsin. I think I'm going to go to sunny LA and see the Coliseum, and I think it might get to the point where LA becomes basically the perfect vacation spot to watch your team play college football. I think the Coliseum is going to be packed out with visiting fans. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you brought up Wisconsin because there was a period there where it felt like Wisconsin was playing a few games at UNLV just so the fans could go hang out in Vegas, you know, and you know, kind of go, go hit the warm weather or whatever. Wisconsin was the first school that I was thinking of. Yeah, I think that that'll definitely happen at the Coliseum, especially early on. And you got to factor this in too. Is yeah, it's 
you know, a long way away, several hours away from Columbus, Ohio, or Ann Arbor, Michigan. But there's a lot of alumni in the Big Ten, and a lot of those alumni in the Big Ten move out to the West Coast. So, yeah, USC might have the worst home field advantage ever because I'm sure there's a lot of Ohio State fans in the state of California. Same for Michigan as well. It may look like some of those Charger games that we saw in San Diego or even better, when they moved to L.A. when we're playing in the soccer stadium that seated like 30,000 people and the visiting <laughs> fan base had about 20,000 people there. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think USC might be the only school um, going forward that has a negative home field advantage, a home field disadvantage, one might say. Well, hey, we saw it when OU traveled out to UCLA in 2019, right? Yeah, uh, I know a lot was, of people that, was... that went out there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, you know hey, what? Look... Lincoln Riley said he was going to pack the stadium. He never said he was going to do it with USC fans. Uh, to be that's fair. True. That's true. To be fair. That's true. Hey, OU Architect, I appreciate you listening to us in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And everyone tells me that Hilton Head is awesome. Never been there before. Only Myrtle Beach. But uh, Travis Hilton Head's got to be a spot I, I, I got to hit at some point. Yeah, I've I've never been. I've heard nothing but great things. Uh, I think the one of the only places on earth I've heard more great things about is the Omaha Zoo. Uh, <laughs> I, I did not go out there, unfortunately. Um, didn't quite have uh, the time, believe it or not, being there for so long. Didn't quite have the time to get out there. But I'll tell you what, every ma- every person out there that I walked, oh, man, have you gone to the zoo? Have you gone to the zoo? Have you gone to the zoo? I, 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 I feel that way about anybody that's gone to Hilton Head as well. They're like, man, you got to go yeah. out there. You got to check it out. Well, um, too bad there's not. Uh, how far is how far is Coastal Carolina from Hilton Head? Because if I need to root for Coastal Carolina to join the SEC, just so we can go to Hil- uh, Hilton Head, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. That's not beneath me, man. Yeah, let's do that. Let's get Hawaii on the schedule. Let's get them in the conference. Oh, yes. Let's yes. get. I mean, let's really let's really start thinking. You know, of ourselves. Let's start putting ourselves first, you know, for once and say, you know what? Time to hit some road games in Hilton Head and Hawaii. Yeah, UNLV, let's go. <laughs> let's go, man. All right, we got a couple <laughs> more segments on the Friday rush. So, two more opportunities to, for you to get your text in on the Air Cover Solutions text line 405 651 3439. More to come next. Whoa, 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 whoa. Friday rush. Travis and I are 15 minutes away or so from the weekend. And I read this on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Hey, Trav. Be waiting for you in Branson to have a cold one. Traffic on 44 is the typical 4th of July Grand Lake crowd. That's from Todd. You you just going to Table Rock this weekend or what? Is is that what you're doing? Well, of course. You know, I, uh, you know, Father's Day, Father's Day, I was uh, up in Omaha. Uh, so didn't get to go see Pops, and uh, always a good time to go see Sue. So, I, uh, yeah, I'm making the trip up to Branson. After we wrap up here, I've got a bag packed, and I'm going to hit the road. And, yes, Todd of Lexus of Tulsa, um, Todd Morrison, he's up there uh, waiting on me to have a, a, a frosty beverage. Um, and I don't think he's talking about iced tea. Are you guys going to go to the Bald Knobbers tomorrow night? Uh, likely not, but you know what? I have no idea. I, I let them kind of get the schedule going. You know, they're the Branson experts, but uh, we'll be going out on the water, I'm sure, at some point on Table Rock. Beautiful lake up there. Um, it's, you know, I got I got so used to Grand uh, being that kind of, 
extremely thin mud, which I've had a gr- lot of great times on Grand. I don't want to knock it. But it was interesting to go to a lake and be able to see my feet when I'm in the nice. water. Nice. Well, well, have fun with that, man. Nice. That's that's big time. Dude. Golly, you're always going somewhere. The summer hey, of Travis Davidson, man. I'll tell you what, man. It's been hard work, you know. You know, hard work. Someone's got to do it. Gunny says, so Tyler, tell me something good about the OU softball portal news. Well, Gunny, I'll, I'll give you two good bits of information on the softball portal news. Um, you know you added one of the best pitchers in the Big Ten, but you also have Alina Torres, which I think OU Softball officially announced that today. I did see it on the website. She was an all-Pac-12 infielder. So you've got to replace your two corner infield starters, Jana Johns at third and Taylor Snow at first. Now, there's always been a thought, or at least what I heard during the season, is that, well, who's going to play third base next year? Well, Alyssa Brito is going to move from left field to third base. She can play third base. That may still be the plan. Like, the great news is you have options. You can throw in Torres at first, uh, Brito at third. You can put Brito at first and Torres at third, or you can just keep Brito out there and left. Torres can start one of the two infield uh, corner infield spots, and you're probably going to have one of these incoming freshmen or somebody else on the roster that we don't know a ton about that's going to be a great third baseman or a great first baseman. So this team is going to be the number one ranked team in the preseason poll next year. It's going to be the most talented team. And now that you have the best pitcher, one of the best pitchers in the Big Ten coming in, now that you have Jordy Ball coming back, now that you have the number one pitcher coming in next year, and Nicole May, as of right now, is still on the roster, Travis, this could potentially be the deepest pitching staff that Patty Gasso has ever had. She's had great one-two duos before. She even had one-two-three last year. But I don't know if she's had one, two, three, four like she has right now. We'll see if Nicole May stays or not. There's rumors with that. But there's a real potential that you have four legitimate arms in the circle next year, which is big time. Yeah, I mean, not just under Patty Gasso. This might be the deepest ever assembled if everybody kind of plays up to their abilities and is healthy. Obviously, health is the ultimate equalizer in any sport, uh, but... Yeah, I mean, when you look at it just on paper, I mean, it's really hard to argue against how deep and how talented this pitching staff will be. Oh, and we're probably just going to be the best hitting team in the country, too. So uh, there's Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. Uh, By the way, did you read the article on longhornswire.com that uh, OU recruiting is just going awfully terribly wrong right now and there's no end in sight? Tyler, I'm going to be real honest with you. I will never read anything from the Longhorn Wire. Um, <laughs> Smart man. I, uh, yeah, Smart if I man. wanted to lose brain cells, I would, I don't know, I'd, I'd do something other than that. I'm not reading that trash. Yeah, well, that's exactly what it was, is it was trash. And I'm trying to scroll down on the Air Comfort Solutions text line and find that link. Here it is. I found it. It's, it's pretty laughable. It says, Oklahoma football recruiting is in a world of hurt. That's the title of the story. And there's a sentence that says, Oklahoma recruiting is in shambles. Um, Oklahoma recruiting is not in shambles, guys. Um, It's currently the number 37 overall ranked class. And I'm not saying that number 37 overall is great, but we're five and a half months away until the December signing period. OU's... 
37th ranked class. You know what it is? It's ranked higher than Oregon. It's ranked higher than Florida. It's ranked higher than LSU. It's ranked higher than Florida State. It's ranked higher than Texas A&M, who has the number 54 class. It's ranked higher than Michigan. It's ranked higher than Auburn. It's amazing, Travis. I don't see any articles out there talking about how awful those recruiting classes are, but everyone likes to pick on Oklahoma and try to get the uh, the clickbait that everyone seems to throw out there this offseason. Yeah, and it's it's weird. I guess some, the, the shortest memories in America are in Austin, Texas, because they had, what, in 2018, I think they were the third overall class, 2019, I think third. Uh, they had another five in there and then another five. I mean, they're currently ranked third. I mean, they're talking as if, I don't know, they had A&M's class last year, which <laughs> this Texas class is not going to finish above what A&M did last year. But we, we act like we haven't seen this show before. I mean, it's 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 bizarre that these Texas fans think, oh, man, this is this is the class, which, by the way, is headlined by a quarterback. We don't even know if he can play. He's got a last yeah. name that can play, but he may not be any good. So that's the that's the 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 mantle piece. That's that's the big headliner of your class, and we don't even know if he's any good. Could you imagine if if the shoe were on the other foot, how Texas would be talking about Jackson Arnold if he didn't compete in Elite Eleven, if he didn't go to sure. camps, if he didn't if he played in two A in you know in, in Louisiana, they would be laughing all off season. But because Arch has a last name and his uncles were real good, all of a sudden we're supposed to say, "Man, this guy is the is the the crown jewel of our class." Like, come on! Like, get, yeah. And honestly, we have so many kids looking to announce in July. I mean, when you look at Peyton Kirkland, Derek LeBlanc, Caden Green, you look at Phil Picciotti, you look at PJ Adeboare, you, you all these guys. I mean. Uh, Jaquay's Petaway and Dalen Smothers and 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 guys that we're at least got some crystal ball love from and look like we're at least trending in the right direction for. If we land most of those guys, we're in the top ten, and we're going to take like twenty five to twenty eight, twenty five to twenty eight guys in this cycle. So just by a sheer volume, like we've seen from other classes in the past. I mean, you saw a Lincoln Riley class finish high, but they only you know they had what I feel like eighteen commits or something like that. If you get yeah. 25 to 28, you will be, with the way we're recruiting, we will be probably number, I don't know, seven, eight? I mean, if that's yeah. shambles, then sign me up for shambles all day, baby. Yeah, so I brought this up earlier this week, and, you know, I, I can't think of another rivalry in college football where one rival has out-recruited the other 14 out of the past 21 years but has lost to that same team 14 out of the past 21 years. That's the dynamic of OU Texas. Texas has out-recruited you 14 out of 21 years. They've lost to you 14 out of 21 years. And I've racked my brain to think about it. I, I cannot think of a rivalry like that that exists. So when you say it's the same story we've seen so many times before, you're right. And the numbers and the history back that up. I don't care if they end up with the number one overall recruiting class. They might. They have a path to that. In no way will I be afraid of Texas in the future because outside of the late 60s, early 70s, and a few handful of years in the early, mid to late 2000s, there's never been a reason to be scared of the University of Texas in, in football. Yeah, I, I will start worrying when they give me reason to. 
whenever they turn one yeah. of those top three, top five classes into a national champion or until or even a Big 12 champion. How about you do that for me? Yeah, just start why you win the big. Why don't you start with the Big 12? You know, uh, we yeah. get made fun of, oh, we don't celebrate conference championships. Well, how about you go win one then? Exactly. Go win one, exactly. and then we will start to be worried about what you're doing on the recruiting trail. Because I promise you, buddy, Arch Manning is not is not scaring me. I promise you I that. Agree. All right, final segment of the Friday Rush coming up next. All right, final segment of the week. We're off Monday. We're off Tuesday. We're back on Wednesday. God knows what's going to happen in the next four days, but I'm, I'm sure something massive is uh, is going to drop here. Our, I'll let you call your shot as we go into the weekend. In, anything massive going to happen before we come back on Wednesday? In, in the world of college football, in sports it will, but in college football is anything crazy going to happen? I think uh, I think they announced Notre Dame to the Big Ten uh, oh, before, before you and I get back. <laughs> Oh, that we know will, they're at least uh, in discussions. We know they're in dang. discussions. There's so I th- I, Notre Dame wow. to the Big Ten. Does Joey Chestnut win the mustard belt on Monday? That's really what the the big question is this weekend. <laughs> well, of course, of course. Yeah. Much like you much watch like the hot dog uh, eating contest. That's that's big stuff. Oh, oh of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. All Those right, man. Heroes. Hey. Hey, uh, yes, they are. Have fun in Branson. Uh, Connor, thanks for helping us out today. Thanks for all the interaction on the text line, as always. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. It's the Friday Rush, live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.